A humorous story takes a dark turn as disgusting criminals lurk in the darkness all around us. And then we take a trip to the University of California, Irvine. Is it possible that this college is infused with such dark energy it has become a perpetual suicide machine today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. Let's go ahead and get this episode started. Coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Everyone give it up for Cobalt. Woo, yeah, come on in, Cobalt. Give me a high five. Yeah, yeah. Cobalt, you're going to be our captain, our pilot. Sorry, I didn't really give you a high five. Cobalt, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon or if you don't want to get psyched, that's fine too. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Give me a hug, Cobalt. Sorry, sorry that I tricked you like that. Cobalt, let's go ahead and dig. I have a bowl of keys. <laughs> like it's a 1970s swinger party here. I'm going to reach into the bowl of keys at random and I'm going to pull out the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirigible, Cobalt. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. Take the controls. We're flying all the way out. To a house in a suburban neighborhood. A long time ago, I did an episode about what I thought was a haunted website. I had never found such a website that when you go into it, you just feel so gross. I'm not even talking about stuff like bestgore or rotten.com, stuff like that. It was on Reddit. It was on Reddit, of course. Reddit is a cesspool. I can't stand Reddit. I have to use it all the time for this show. But before that, I never used it. Reddit. I hate Reddit. Reddit allows the most disgusting people to congregate and to hang out for untold amounts of time. And you, you can find the grossest things on Reddit. I talked about a haunted website that I thought I'd come across because you feel so gross when you're hanging out in it. It is the subreddit called Sex Offender Support. Sex Offender Support. This is a place where people who are convicted of sex crimes can communicate with each other. So you can imagine how gross this is. And I remember saying at the end of this episode, I'm never going back to it. This place is so disgusting, I don't ever want to go back to it. However... (laughs) We're talking about it again. Cobalt's turning the dead rabbit dirigible around. No, 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 no. We're talking about it again because, listen, man, just like the mafia, you think you're out and they pull you back in. This stuff is so insane that I, of course, I was going to go back, right? Of course, I was eventually going to find my way back here. And this story starts off quite hilarious, (laughs) as funny as the story can be about this topic. I think this setup is funny, right? I think this setup is funny. So on sex offender support... And I will say this, it's so interesting. I'm all over the internet. I've been reading stuff, not just on the internet, but published and comments and every everything, right? You read all sorts of stuff. The people on Sex Offender subreddit are the dumbest of the dumb. The, and I'm not just talking about their belief system. I'm talking about like the way they write. Grammatically, it's really bad. It's so interesting. These people are truly idiots. Regardless of whatever crime they've done, which is just disgusting, they're idiots. They're stupid. They actually have, like, terrible grammar and stuff like that. You're like, Jason, really? That's your first takeaway from a sex offender support subreddit? What? They didn't use a period in that sentence. Anyways, um, they're all they're all morons. And this guy posted this on his sex offender subreddit, 
This guy goes by the name Ancient Answer 159. He's deleted his account now, but you know, I archive a bunch of this stuff. For the show notes, sex offender support, Ancient Answer 159. Got arrested for a sex crime case. They're always really cagey about what they're talking about. He's currently under house arrest. He's waiting for his trial to happen. He's under something called level one house arrest. It's all different by state. I couldn't figure out, like, we obviously don't know where this guy is, but I couldn't figure out, like, how bad that was. I'm assuming it's pretty bad because he can't leave his house at all. He has the ankle monitor on and he can't leave his house at all. He can't leave his house to go to work. He can't leave his house. Well, thank God, right? <laughs> obviously, you're like, oh, where's Barry then? He's been gone the past three months, man. All this paperwork's been backing up and the boss is like please quit asking where barry is trust me you don't want to know you'll you'll kill the dude this guy we'll just call him barry i don't know if that's his real name but barry is under house arrest level one house arrest and he has a roommate and barry (laughs) barry is starving to death he posts on this subreddit, he goes, I'm under house arrest and my roommate refuses to buy me food. My roommate is refusing to do my shopping. And I'm stuck in this house. He goes, it's been months since I've eaten anything, which I think is a little bit, a little bit of an exaggeration, obviously. Or maybe he was a gamer and had a bunch of like G Fuel laying around. That's a great ad for them. Had a bunch of Doritos and he's been munching on those for the past couple months. But he goes, I'm starving to death. I keep asking my roommate to buy me food, and my roommate goes, no. That's hilarious. (laughs) That's hilarious, because you know that this roommate's probably like, I can't kick him out. He's under house arrest, which basically means that I'm under house arrest. This guy's committed some disgusting crime. The very least I can do is my civic duty and slowly starve this man to death. He's not buying any food. (laughs) Imagine this guy's been, like, catching stray cockroaches. Barry's been building little traps, trying to attract birds with a Cheeto on a string. He's starving to death. He can't eat anything. His roommate's got, imagine his roommate's like, yummy, yummy, yummy. I ordered one of everything from McDonald's menu. And he's like, I'm not, what am I going to have now? The, the roommate's put on like 300 pounds, just taunting this guy. He's eating all this food. He's like, it's worth it. It's worth my cholesterol going up just to taunt this sicko. And he says, I don't know what to do. Like, I can't get any food. I feel like I'm losing muscle, like, at this point. It's not just that I'm losing weight. I'm actually getting weaker. I'm actually getting physically weaker because my roommate will not buy me food. Now, listen, he's not eating anything. It's funny, right? I was laughing about that. I thought it was hilarious. And then, of course, because Reddit is the way that it is, I scroll down a bit and I start reading the comments. And again, we're in the sex offender support subreddit. And people then begin to give him advice. And the it would be one thing if they said, set up a Venmo, I'll send you some money. You know, us sickos got to stick together. If it's something like that, fine. If it was something like, yeah, I feel for you, dude, but, you know, call your, call your parole agent or call the court and say that you need an emergency thing to be able to go get some food or something. They don't do that. They don't do that. They give him tips on how to beat the charges. And this is the problem with this subreddit, right? They're giving this guy tips on how to not only get a delicious cheeseburger, but also how to beat the charges. So you have a guy named No Resort 7214 So listen, what you should do is you should check yourself into a psychiatric hospital because you'll get food there. 
They'll feed you. And that can actually help with your sentencing. Because remember, he hasn't had his trial yet. All all of this stuff is pending, or he may be halfway through the trial, but he definitely hasn't been sentenced. This is all part of the legal process. He goes, it actually will help with your sentencing when I had to go to court. I had checked myself into a psychiatric hospital. And my lawyer said, look, he's he's working on improving his mental fitness. And the, the judge, Jerry, goes, yeah, yeah, he seems to be an upstanding guy. He's not doing anything to us right now in the courtroom. Plus, we have this lawyer saying this and this doctor saying this. Ah, you know, let's give him a little bit of a break on the sentencing. Gross, right? Giving him tips on how to how to beat the system. Again, it's not saying you need mental help. You need mental help. It's like, hey, this is a way to kind of skirt the law a bit. Probably not a good thing to talk about skirts around sex offenders. I don't want them popping a boner or anything. But then we have Puzzled Ear 5319. And this one, this one like legit made me mad. So I'm sharing it with you. I'm sharing it with you. Puzzled Ear 5319 goes, yeah, dude, check yourself into a mental hospital. Again, not because you're mentally disturbed, not because you're a sex criminal. He said, listen, right after I got arrested, I checked myself into a mental hospital. And I'm sure the stress level was super high, but again, it didn't seem like, oh me, oh my, I'm a sick pervert. I need mental help. It was like, oh no, I actually got caught doing the things that I do. I'm stressed out. He went to the mental hospital. (laughs) Not only did he have a bunch of delicious food, apparently it's right next to a Chipotle. He says the doctors at the mental hospital said that he had some brain issues. His brain had a hard time, like, developing. Which obviously, right? <laughs> he needed to check himself in a mental hospital for that. His brain had a hard time developing. It caused him to make poor decisions. He didn't have it all up here. It wasn't his fault that he did those crimes. It was his brain. And the judge actually agreed. He served no jail time. His lawyer used that as an excuse. He got no jail time. All he got was three and a half years probation and three years as part of a sex offender group. But then he includes this quote, quote, the DA, district attorney, wanted to send me away for 50 years because of my eight victims. Eight victims facing 50 years in prison, but because he checked himself in a mental hospital and the doctor diagnosed him like that, three and a half years probation, just three years as part of this sex offender support group. Not the subreddit, not the subreddit, like a in-person talking to other sex offenders. So basically six years in total, eight victims because he went to the mental hospital and got this doctor to write this up. This is why I hate this subreddit. Right. This is why I hate this subreddit, and this is why I hate Reddit in whole, because this information is just slowly collecting over time, and now people can go and access all this stuff. If you're accused of one of these things, you're going to find this group, and you're going to go, oh, that's a pretty good idea, right? I'll just go to a mental hospital. Maybe I'll luck out. And who? that's what they're saying publicly, right? Who knows what they're saying in their DMs? Gross. It's a gross subreddit. Subreddit tends to collect the worst of the worst this subreddit's up. I've gone in conversations on the Patreon Discord. We've talked about it a couple times about, well, you know, free speech and all that stuff. And, you know, I am a free speech advocate, but when you're trading tips with other pedophiles, rapists, child molesters, whatever, on how to beat charges, like, you, you have to have a limit. I'll have that discussion, though, about free speech. I'm not saying I'm the arbiter of it all, 
But that's that's disgusting, right? Turn off his funny story. This guy's slowly starving to death. And then it turns out they're giving him tips on how to beat his charges. Then he deleted his account. We don't know uh, what his crime was or if he beat the charges or anything like that. But this other dude did eight victims. Three and a half years probation. Gross. Gross. Cobalt. I actually, I actually had a new Patreon supporter that I was going to have drive us around this episode. But when episodes get this gross, when episodes get that rough, I was going to... I like to use a legacy Patreon because you never know how people are going to react. DJ Blue, I'm going to give you your shout out tomorrow. But Cobalt, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. He's like, I don't want to touch on those, bro. We're leaving behind this disgusting house. We're headed all the way out to University of California in Irvine, California. Since last season, I've been on a ghost binge. It was the stories that I thought I would honestly talk about the most when I started doing this show. And they're actually uh, interesting. Ghost stories are really hard to find. They're really hard to find. So we do a lot of UFOs, which I love UFOs. We do a lot of Bigfoot, which I've learned to love Bigfoot since I moved up to the Pacific Northwest. California, it wasn't a big thing, but... I thought we'd do more ghost stuff, so I've kind of been on a ghost binge lately. But when you research these, I like to just like look into the legend. Is there anything behind this? I always like doing the additional information, finding that stuff out. And this is a story where it evolves past spooky, ooky ghosts walking along an abandoned road. That's how the story starts, but it's one of those stories that just gets really weird as it goes on. We're at University of California, Irvine. And like any place where you have people congregating, legends and ghost stories are going to form. The first one we're going to look at is if you drive down Campus Drive by yourself. I, apparently, this I don't think this is like the main thoroughfare. I don't think this is where the buses go. It's kind of like, I'm assuming a road kind of removed from campus because otherwise this story would be easily disprovable. You'd have people be like, dude, I walk down the road all the time to get to my econ class. It's not haunted. But apparently... If you're driving down Campus Drive late at night, are you doing that, econ nerds? Quit trying to dispute my story that I found online. As you're driving down Campus Drive alone, your car will stop automatically. And a woman shows up. This is a weird detail. She talks to you, but she doesn't move her mouth. That's super odd. That's usually related to aliens. Very rarely do you hear ghosts telepathically talking to people, especially if you can see them. But she talks to you in your head and she asks you to help her find her missing daughter. Like, can I get in your car? Can you help me? And you may be a little scared because you're in the middle of nowhere, maybe. Or maybe you're right next to the women's dormitory. But definitely, whether or not that, humans move their mouths when they talk. Unless you're talking to, like, Jeff Dunham. And it's not Jeff Dunham. She doesn't move her mouth. She asks you this. If you let her in your car, then you'll drive down the road and you'll have this woman in your car. No one's that stupid. No one's going to actually open the door for her. So she teleports into your car. She teleports. This woman just teleports into your car. So you have no choice. Now you're driving down a road with a woman, with Jeff Dunham, with Jeff Dunham. I kill you. He has all of his puppets in here. It's truly hell. You're driving down the road. He's doing all these voices. You're like, oh my God. And she makes you just drive down the road. Now the car's working again. And then eventually she disappears out of the car, thankfully. And then you turn around and there's a Jeff Dunham puppet of you sitting in the back seat going, I kill you. People are like, dude, Jason, that, that joke's from like 2004. How old is that? Anyways, 
No, that's not what happens. That would actually be pretty cool. Now that I think about it, that would be pretty cool. A, a Dunham doll of you. He's collecting all these spirits around the world. No. She disappears. And so the story goes like this. Apparently, back in the day, there was a woman who had a daughter, and her daughter in the Campus Drive area was raped and killed. And the mom was looking for her daughter, looking for her daughter to save. And she had gone mad with grief. Everyone knew that the daughter had already been found. Her body had already been found, but the mother's still wandering down the street. Where's my daughter? Where's my daughter? And people are like, oh, not not this lady again. Doesn't she know that her daughter's already dead? She's in the crematory, you moron. She's walking around the streets filled with grief. And then she walked down into this gully, like this ditch on the side of Campus Drive. And the mom never came out. That was when she was still alive. That wasn't even part of the ghost story. That's like the origin, which is creepy. We've talked about ditches and their relationship to paranormal phenomenon before. I'll put that episode in the show notes. And it also has a parallel. We covered a long time ago the story of the three-legged lady road, which is kind of the same setup. A mother is looking for her daughter's body. Same thing. The daughter was raped and killed by some saint worshippers. And then this ghost was walking around, like, chopping off people's legs and wearing them or something like that. I'm not for sure. <laughs> it's gruesome. I don't remember the details. I remember it being quite gruesome. I'll put that episode in the show notes. Interesting story. Ghost story. But let's take a look at another ghost story in the area. We're now on campus. There is Mesa Court Residence Hall. It's where all the students are hanging out. We're going back to the 1970s. So listening to disco music, doing, I have three, I have three legs I'm dancing. They're like, dude, how are you doing those moves? I got three-legged bell bottoms. We're dancing around and we're going to meet a young girl who dancing wasn't just an enjoyable pastime. It was her passion. It was actually why she was enrolled in college. There was this young college student, we'll call her Nancy. She was preparing for the big dance audition. It was the role of a lifetime and she was stressed out. She was stressed out. Will she get this? She has to get it. She has to, has to get this role. She would practice all day and all night. People were like, aren't you going to go to your other classes? She's like, nope. She's not learning, reading, writing, arithmetic. She's learning rhythm. She's dancing all the time. And she had her room. She was lucky enough to, when she got her dorm, it was just a single occupant dorm. Other people had roommates and stuff like that. <laughs> Other people are starving out their roommates. They're like, take that, sicko. But while that's going on, Nancy is dancing. You'd always see her dancing. Sometimes you'd see her dancing in the window. Sometimes she'd have the blinds drawn and you would just see her silhouette boogieing down. One night... Someone looks over and they go, oh, there's dancing Nancy. She's dancing in her room. She's actually like spinning around like a ballerina. She's spinning around doing the little like the things you see like Nancy Kerrigan do. You know, how old are you? You're making Jeff Dunham references and talking about Nancy Kerrigan. She's spinning around like an ice skater, Christy Yamaguchi style. People are like, man, Nancy's got some cool moves. If that audition requires you to spin in place for 30 minutes straight, she's going to get it. And other people are seeing her spinning around in her room. And they're like, you go, Nancy, spin, spin till the world ends. And, they're, and they start thinking about it. And they're like, it's kind of weird that she hasn't vomited at all. That's a lot of spins. It's also kind of weird she's been doing that for close to three hours now. So eventually someone knocks on her door. Hey, Nancy. Are you okay? Are you, are you trying to create the Large Hadron Collider in there right now? She's spinning around so fast. And so they eventually have a dorm, an RA, open the door. And it turns out 
that Nancy could not take the stress of the audition, so she decided to hang herself from the ceiling fan. Save your questions until the end of this ghost story slash urban legend. She decided to hang herself from the ceiling fan, which was on, and she wasn't spinning around like a figure skater. It was her body going, attached to the fan, spinning around for hours at a time. Okay, here's the thing. If you attached, uh, don't try this at home, don't try this at home, you're like, hey, little brother, come here. If you hung a body from a ceiling fan, he wouldn't spin in place. Like, he would be flying all over the place. He'd be like, if you grabbed the rope and was swinging it around, the body would be going, whoa, whoa. It'd be one thing to be like, whoa, you have really cool dance moves. It'd be another thing to say, you're clearly defying the laws of gravity. Also, ceiling fans can't support body weight. I mean, she might have been really slender because she's a dancer, but, and for this to make any sense, she would have had to hang herself while the fan was on, which I, I've never hung myself, but I imagine that that would just make things even more difficult. If she hung herself from the fan, why would it turn on automatically? Why would it spin around? Doesn't make sense. Interesting ghost story, but again, both of those ghost stories in and of themselves, they might be something I mentioned in passing. Why am I spending the last half of an episode talking about these ghost stories. Because as I was looking into these ghost stories, I found a far darker phenomenon. And this is being reported by the mainstream media. Specifically, I found this in a newspaper called the OC Weekly, which is an Orange County newspaper. And this article is written by Charles Lamb. It's entitled, Why Do So Many Students Commit Suicide? at UC Irvine's Social Science Plaza. I was like, whoa, okay, this is what wasn't what I was expecting as I was typing in, because I'm trying to verify any of this stuff. Suicide, ghost, UC Irvine, and here we go. UC Irvine was built back in the late 60s, early 70s, and it was designed as this very elegant place, very balanced in its construction. It was set up to be this just symmetrical, perfectly designed location where it was just supposed to give you a sense of being, a sense of purpose, a sense of your place in the universe. And it's just laid out in this very conscious way. But added far later, this was added in the 1990s, is the Social Science Plaza. It's a collection of five-story buildings, and it's in this asymmetrical shape. It actually kind of throws off the entire area that it's in. Because you had all of this thought and planning put into the original construction of UC Irvine. But then you have this. It's like counterclockwise. The buildings themselves are asymmetrical and counterclockwise to how it should be laid out if you look at the rest of the school. And they go, it's really weird. This The college, you're kind of wandering around, you're going to these different classes, and it's this very open floor plan. But when you go into the social sciences plaza, it's claustrophobic. Even outdoors, there's something about it that makes you feel kind of hemmed in. They said once you get into the building, it's just very soulless, very just row after row after row of these classrooms. And most people, even if you're not a social sciences major, because the way that everything is planned out, 
Almost every student who attends UC Irvine has at least one class in the Social Sciences Plaza, just for your general ed requirements. It's not a pleasant place to be, but you got to be there. It offsets the natural design, the very symmetrical nature of the campus. You have this building complex. And, and if you're taking the stairs, they have like a staircase on the outside of the buildings. On each floor, there is a sign that says, we can help. And then it gives you the phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. According to this article by Charles Lamb, there's been five suicides off of Social Sciences Plaza. People climbing up to the highest point of the staircase and falling around 50 feet. I think it's more than five. Not just because I'm a conspiracy theorist, but Charles Lamb, which is an excellent article, Charles Lamb details some of the events of these five suicides that we know of, and only one of them was really recognized around campus. It was a very popular kid, apparently, who killed himself, and they started having like these workshops and things like that. But the article also talks about a young man known as Maxwell Chorak. He's 25 years old, who on June 10th, 2014 climbed up to the highest stairwell. And each time you have to pass one of those signs saying, we can help. And he dove off. And Charles Lamb says, there was no memorial for this guy. Like, pretty much, like, people were shocked. They called authorities. Rescue crews got there. He was already dead. And then the day kind of goes on. Like, counseling was available. And then life went on at the college. If there was only five suicides over the course of 30 years, would you really be bolting up those signs? I bet you there's more or more attempted suicides. Colleges cover this stuff up. When I was at American River College, I was a journalist for the school newspaper. We had an issue with perverts masturbating in the library. Have you ever heard of that? It happens at every college. I had a friend who, whose wife worked at UC Davis in the library. She goes, we actually had code names for the different types of masturbators. And there were so many of them. There's so many of them you could actually catalog. I mean, you could put them in the Dewey Decimal System or the GUI Decimal System. <laughs> okay, but anyways. So colleges cover stuff like that up because it's bad, right? You're trying to, a college is a business. You're trying to get people to come to the college, pay money, pay a ton of money to go there. So they're always going to cover up. And if they're going to cover up sex crimes, they're going to cover up suicides. If they can, what they can cover up, they will. It was a huge expose I did, no pun intended, at American River College for the newspaper, the school newspaper there. But here's my theory. Here's my theory. I think there is a force pulling people towards these buildings. A dark energy that is attracting people who already have suicidal ideation. And that is why this has become a suicide tourist destination. Case in point, Maxwell, he wasn't even a student at the college. Maxwell had no connection. He didn't work there. He wasn't a student. He took a bus there. He took a bus from a hospital to get there. Just three hours before he committed suicide, he had gotten out of an 11-day forced medical hold. Because he was listed as a danger to himself or others. It's 5150 in California police parlance. 
5150. And um, on June 14th, the doctors allowed him to leave the hospital. His 11 days are over. And they gave him a bus voucher to go anywhere in town. Well, he went to UC Irvine, which he had no connection to, and he went to the Social Sciences Plaza, climbed up the tallest staircase, and killed himself. Is this school actually emanating this negative, life-stealing energy? UC Irvine, the campus itself, was built as the result of a suicide. My Ford Irvine, his family owned a ton of land in Irvine, California. In 1959, he shot himself. And his niece inherited a good chunk of his fortune and of his land. And she donated the land where UC Irvine would be established. And that's why the school is where it's at. The school wouldn't have existed in the first place had he not killed himself. So, is the entire area infused with this dark energy? Is the fact that you have this magnificently designed and perfectly balanced layout, and then you have this gross, asymmetrical structure of buildings that juts out from inside of it, isn't that almost an allegory for depression itself, for hopelessness itself? We see the beauty of the world around us, but we feel ugly and useless and that we don't fit in. And I listen, I'm not trying to say that there's the only reasons why people commit suicide, right? But that is one of the reasons why people get horribly depressed. There's chemical depression and then there's just like, I am alone. I don't fit in. I have nowhere to belong. And that's what the social sciences, ironically, the social sciences buildings represent. You're walking around this opulent open campus, and then once you get to these buildings, it feels claustrophobic. Just the way the trees are laid out and the way the buildings are there, you instantly feel the oppression because it is not right. It doesn't belong there. But that's where it was put, counterclockwise, asymmetrical, strangulating, and ominous. It feels like it doesn't belong and yet there it is. And no matter who you are or what your major is, you have to attend a class there because that's part of the general ed. It's almost like you're forced to go there. You're forced to walk through this gauntlet of negative energy. What dark energy does this school possibly hold? What type of siren's song echoes out from the social science plaza, attracting the desperate, attracting the lonely, attracting those who feel like they have nothing to lose. A place born from a suicide, attracting more people to join it in making that ultimate mistake. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.